Hello and welcome to Propnex, the property podcast about all things related to the future of real estate. I'm delighted that you've joined me today. My name is Gavin Morgan, your host. If you'd like to know a little bit more about me, please check out www.propnex.com. That's P-R-O-P-N-X.com. Or drop me a line if you'd like to chat privately on Gavin R. Morgan at propnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com. So Adam Dixon, Adam Dixon, thank you very much for joining us today on Propnex. Thanks for inviting me on, Gavin. So Adam, you're head of underwriting for Belfast Commercial Funding. Um, I think just for the sake of the, the listeners, could you maybe kick off with a little bit about yourself and your current role? Okay, yeah. Um, I have spent um, about 25 years in um property development focused on the finance end of it um i've i've worked with gareth graham in oakland holdings for for that length of time and uh, during that time we've undertaken all sorts of development um offices houses apartments um retail um and spent that's what i've spent up until the most recent years that's what i've spent my time doing gavin um and then uh, we started uh, Belfast Commercial Funding last year. It grew out of a, a pilot, for want of a better word, that we'd run alongside the development business. We um, we had experience, uh, came from our experience as borrowers, um, as a developer, uh, and the difficulties associated with that following the global financial crisis. And um, that led to some opportunities to, to lend, and, and, and we'll be doing that Um since 2016 so uh, and then last year we launched it um as a a business and fully funded it as a business adam really interesting uh the um yeah and you've got a a market here where you've had some good clear runway to really establish a strong presence it seems your business has grown considerably over the last number of years and you're almost exclusively property focused as well that's correct yes that's right yeah um that's where our background is and where our expertise is and so yeah we we focus on um commercial real estate um whether that's investment um repositioning or development yeah and Adam, I became, I suppose I became much more interested in this space during a time that I worked in New York, uh, where the sophistication of capital stacking and real estate is really way beyond anything that I've seen in certainly any other part of the world that I've worked in. Uh, and it was probably a time when I became aware of and just understood that private lending or non-bank lending was such a big part of the market, you know, much more than I'd realized prior to that stint that I did over in New York. And it seems to me that the future of lending probably continues to expand um, or is expanded through institutions that are maybe non-traditional finance houses. 
Uh, is that the way you see the industry, particularly with how the world's moving at the moment, specifically around rate rises and all the other bits and pieces that are going on? Or do you think the banks will grow again as lenders alongside a growing pool uh, of other private institutions involved in lending? Um, yeah, uh, the Irish market has been much less sophisticated than the example you used in New York market. Um up until in the run-up to the, the the global financial crisis, Irish banks tended to provide the fi- all of the finance. Um, so there wasn't really a there wasn't a space for alternative lending at all. And as these things happen, the pendulum swings. Um, the crash came. The pendulum swings, and and the banks withdrew from the market altogether, and it left a vacuum, for want of a better word. Um, and you know. The the process of loan sales probably kicked off the the attracting international finance into that alternative space, um, focused primarily on loan sales and and refinancing loan sales. Um, the I think the banks have their part to play going forward. When we started this business or started lending in 2016, we probably thought it would be short term. Um, but we we don't anymore. We we see the fact that the banks have permanently repositioned their the regulation that they're subject to, um, and their appetite has permanently changed, um, and it creates a space for alternative lending that I think will be there going forward. Um, the Irish market, as I say, it has been less sophisticated. The economic impact of that vacuum has been long felt, uh, particularly in the north, more so than the south. And the south attracted a bit more inward investment um, because there was more international money there. That vacuum is, you know, it affects the ability of the the economy to to thrive. And uh, that's why we we started um we started lending. It was we found it difficult as a large-ish developer to fund projects we could see the difficulties that small developers had um and you know seasoned developers had started to focus on only schemes that they could finance with equity and that leads to the the sort of the short shortage of housing that um we now see um both north and south yeah and adam you talked about uh sophistication just when you were answering what I'd asked you previously. And right now, uh, and again, just sort of reaching back to my experience, particularly in the US, where you often had layers of equity, multiple layers of equity, and multiple layers of different types of debt um, all coming together to make assets or development projects happen. There's obviously quite a difference between that market and the market we're talking about today and that very often the scale of capital required wouldn't justify that approach. But if you take it away from single asset and look at some of the master planning projects that could be delivered, and not just in Northern Ireland, but throughout the island of Ireland, it's easy to see how there could be requirements for sophisticated and um, sort of multi-party equity and debt structures applied to future development projects. Do you think this do you think this country can, do you think financing becomes sophisticated uh, where there are multiple partner 
um, equity and debt providers on bigger projects. Um, and if you do, do you think that happens quickly or because of the more conservative nature of the market here, do you think that happens over a long period of time? I think it would, uh, I think it'll happen over a long period of time to answer the second part of your, your question first. Um, and I do think it is, there is a place for it in those, it, as you said, it's it's the scale required for that sophisticated structure. But there also are structurally important projects um, that need to happen that require that, that are of a scale that um, would justify that level of sophistication and structurally or or of key importance to the economies. Um, And I think that makes it um, desirable and required. Yeah. Yeah, no, indeed. And um, I mean, are there any, I mean, you've talked a little bit about why this market is particularly suited to this. And you and I have talked outside of this conversation about just how, um, and I think the, 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 the bank market probably is well, requirements are becoming more stringent um, when borrowing money from traditional financial institutions. And um, I mean, you've certainly got a market here where, um, you, you know, well, plenty of commercial actors. Um, so it's particularly, it feels particularly suited, Northern Ireland feels particularly suited to further growth in this segment as well because of the, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the probably less dynamic group of organizations that are offering this type of financing compared to anywhere else, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are, are very few alternative lenders in Northern Ireland. We're the only one based in Northern Ireland and headquartered mm. in Northern Ireland. And, and what that enables us to do is to be able to make um decisions based on our knowledge of the market um, yeah. that gets lost sometimes when it goes up to a, a regional credit committee who don't have a Northern Ireland focused or an Ireland focused, uh, an Irish focused um, experience. Yeah. And Adam, just pivoting uh, to sustainability now, uh, you know, that isn't uh, interesting. It was down at the University of Ulster having a chat with some friends down there this morning and uh, well, funnily enough, the topic of green lending uh, came up during that conversation. And, you know, we got into a big chit chat there about how we think sustainability is just going to be such a such a driver of almost every aspect of the real estate process, including lending as we move forward. Uh, have you um, have you looked at any green products yet? Um, do you think they're viable in a market like this? And if you haven't, uh, are they in your plans? Um, we we don't have a product as such. Um, we we tend to look at each proposal on its merits, um, and but we have funded uh, we have funded some green projects. We have a, a house builder who builds um, houses to passive standard is how he would describe it so yeah. he he, he can you, and, and Adam, could you tell us a little bit about passive please just for the for the sake of the listeners as well i've actually heard this mentioned quite a lot particularly in ireland yeah so so passive houses focus on 
minimizing the loss of of heat um and so they focus on uh air tightness insulation um and using the heat within the within the the house which may be body heat it may be cooking um heat um cleaning that air and rather than being ventilated externally it it being used to to create a, a ambient temperature within the house i'm no expert on on passive houses interestingly the developer we've been working with and we funded um he was saying how the market isn't quite as ahead as the technology um so he builds houses yeah. to passive standard but he puts a boiler in and um he said because uh, buyers are still uh, they still require a comfort blanket of what happens if it's just not warm enough yeah um yeah. and uh so, so it, there's not, puts, not quite a lot there's not enough trust in the system yet basically that's it yeah. there's not there's not enough trust in the system you know he, he said look i put a boiler in but so i'm building the passive standards from point of view of air tightness and all the tests but uh, we're not certifying the passive because we are putting an external we're putting a boiler in um and he said for most like very rarely do I expect that boiler to ever be used. And once you've had a generation of people who have come through that experience, then it will provide that confidence for, for passive um, and for alternatives to, to gas and oil boilers, you know, air source, ground source. There's just that there's a confidence gap there at the moment until people have some firsthand experience of it. Um, I think that will, that will build confidence over time. Um, and Adam, does the passive system, there's no artificial heat there at all? It's all sort of self-generative from the heat sources like human beings and bridges and things like that in the in the in the asset. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. That's correct. That's okay. correct. So the, the, the one-off houses um that I, I know of are there are a number of one-off houses um that I know of that are are passive. Um but they tend to be uh, they tend to be uh, architects who have had previous experience of it, um, uh, and and they they are the ambassadors for it, I guess. But it needs yeah. to become much wider to for to meet the climate challenge. It'll have to become much uh, wide, uh, much wider acceptance. Uh, obviously, even if a boiler is there and it's not required, yeah, there is a just putting it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, has, has a an emissions impact, but hopefully it it, it builds it builds confidence. No, indeed, and um, yeah, no. I've, as I said, I've I've actually heard this mentioned a lot over the last couple of months, and it does seem to be getting there. But yeah, we did it all to happen faster. And um, Adam returns. Um, you know, maybe uh, just coming coming back to sort of landing in Northern Ireland, and uh, again in a global career. Um, I've always looked back at Northern Ireland and thought that the return levels uh, are particularly attractive here. And I think on a relative basis have been particularly attractive to, you know, a lot of other bigger places. There are obviously reasons for that. Um, you know, you typically get a higher yield in a location like Belfast compared to a place in like London. Um, you know, there's no shame in that. Um, on the lending side of things, um, just our returns better here 
uh, or return stronger in a slightly less competitive market? Uh, or are you seeing Northern Ireland sort of tacking at the same rates as places like London and Dublin? There, there's no, there would definitely be a, a, a higher yield in, in Belfast. And, you know, I know you've seen it over the years, Gavin, Belfast, you know, whether it's a Marks and Spencer's covenant, um, uh, it's the same Marks and Spencer's covenant of a store in Belfast as it is in London, Glasgow, Manchester. But the yields, there's always been a, a, a variance in the yields. Uh, there is less capital deployed in Northern Ireland, therefore it's at a it's at a slightly higher yield than would be in in some of those some of the, the larger cities. Um, but it would be comparable to, you know, if you look at Ireland as a whole, um, it's pretty comparable. Dublin's a a f- Dublin's if you exclude Dublin and um, Belfast, Cork, Limerick, you know. Uh, and the the re- the regional areas are all very similar. Okay. 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 Well, look, um, Adam. I think that brings us sort of toward a conclusion uh, to today's conversation. But you know, clearly, um, you know, you've uh, discovered a bit of a niche here, certainly in Northern Ireland and across the island of Ireland as well. And. Uh, you know, established an incredibly successful business um, and, you know, really, you know, in some ways really brought private lending or non-bank lending sort of out into the open in Northern Ireland, which I think is fantastic. Um, I thank you very much for sharing your views and thoughts with us today on Propnex and hopefully we maybe get you back on at some time in the future. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks for the opportunity. So that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in to listen today and hope to welcome you back to hear some of our future shows. As I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about me, look at www.propnex.com. That's P-R-O-P-N-X.com. Or drop me a line on Gavin R. Morgan at propnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com I hope to hear from you soon and thank you very much again for tuning in today all the very